open up the Bible to where we have been, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in our study together. And uh, we're looking at a message that we opened up a week or two ago titled, We Are On Our Way. We are on our way. And uh, this is in that deep section of Romans 8. Uh, You guys have all heard this many times before, and you'll hear it again. Not only is Romans, the book of Romans, known as the Magna Carta to the gospel treaty of the New Testament, but Romans chapter 8 is the high watermark, and you can tell by the depth of its theology. I'll begin reading reading in verse 24, if you would take it down to verse um, 30, if you would. Verse 24, for we, listen, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does it still hope for what he sees? Likewise, the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered or articulated, is the word. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Beautiful. And we know that all things work together for good to those who, are, who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew... Also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Last verse. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Father, speak to us in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. As we left off last time, we came to a sudden abrupt end to the first argument found in uh, verse 23. And of course, now today we're in verse 24 on. But we saw these things regarding the continuity, I'll put it, between all of the prophets of the Old Testament and who Christ is. That all of the prophecies of the ancient Hebrew scriptures made announcement, friends. They made promise, they made prophecy that this would be the span of God's redemptive work. You and I pick up the Bible, the greatest book that has ever been, you know, I I was going to say the greatest book that's ever been written. Okay, that's true. I'd rather more accurately say the, the greatest book that's ever been given. The way the Bible was written is that it was given from God to man, and to even make it even more provocative, God says in the Bible that I I revealed the word of God through man, so that if you're a doubter, you would get all in a fluster to say, oh boy, then if if it's man written, then we can find faults with it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Try and find fault with it. God gave the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit as he possessed the authors of the Bible in such way that the scriptures with 40 different authors never once not only 
never contradict each other, but they all agree with each other. And most of them never met one another, spending the time of some 1800 years on different continents. How do you explain that? And the star of the entire argument from Genesis to Revelation is none other than the one the prophets revealed and Moses included, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot deny that. You can argue about it all you want, but you can't deny it. And we saw that because that's true, there's the heartbeat of heaven. Three things we saw. That heaven's throne within us is proof to all of us who are believers. If you're not a believer, you don't get what I'm about to say. We know that God's throne now resides in us because God rules and reigns in our hearts and we love it. We love his politics. We love his authority. We love his command. In fact, you and I as Christians, we get a little upset when we fail to yield to his command because father knows best. He's absolutely an amazing and wonderful God who loves us. And there's nothing like having him enthroned upon your heart. And we made those arguments. Look at them from last week, how God said in Old and New Testament that he would reside not in temples, not in places made with stone, but your very heart. We saw also that heaven's appeal is the reality within us, that you and I do what we do today because heaven is our passion. Heaven is our desire. We can't wait to get there. It doesn't mean we're lazy. It means we're very busy about our father's business because we're on our way to heaven. Heaven is the heartbeat within us. And then last time we talked about heaven's love is our constant contact. The love of God, the Bible says, has been spread abroad in our hearts. Have you ever seen, I don't know, I know we don't live in this era anymore. I remember having a summer job when I was, in, uh, when I was a teenager. And uh, that one job uh, was uh, doing uh, custom decking on, on things like resort hotels you ever, or like cr- cruise ships. Have you ever seen decking that's got a little bit of a grit to it, but it's like rubber or plastic? It's very popular. It's very strong. And I did that. Um, and one of the things is there's no other way to do it is that you hold a five-gallon bucket full of sand, special sand, that is set for whatever they want to achieve, the slip factor or the slip ratio, and you would broadcast that. And I was actually taught how to cast the sand like a sower of seed. And it's quite amazing on how you use your hand. If you want to drop out the sand closely, you just kind of let it hop out there. If you want to broadcast it far, there's a way to do that where the back end of your hand goes up and it's almost like a wing and you throw it and it spreads out so beautifully. And if you have a sower, uh, one who is sowing seed, we don't do that anymore. We do that now either by tractor or whatever, but uh, the sower would just cast out the seed and it lands in such a way that it is perfectly distributed in the soil. When God gives his word... He throws out the word of God and it lands perfectly distributed among the hearts and the minds of men and women and boys and girls so that everyone has opportunity. Well, he does that using the exact same word about his love. His love is thrown out to the world. You can't doubt that either. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then he turns right around to those who trust his son The Bible says that he cast out or puts forth his love in our hearts. Now, the only thing that would prevent you from enjoying that love is not believing in what God has told you. God loves you. 
got on the airplane last night to come home from Colorado Springs. And there was a young lady sitting there. She was all dressed in black. She had a black beanie on, pulled down just above her eyebrows. And um, she was just kind of cowering in her seat. And she looked rather um, tense. I'm going to guess that she was somewhere uh, in her mid-twenties. And um, I, do, I don't know if this was a spiritual moment or if it was what. I, I just don't know. But I was getting on the plane. She was sitting down before me. And I'm, I'm walking in to the plane. And, I, and our eyes locked. And she looked at me. And for a second, I thought, oh, did she go to Calvary? That's my first thought. That's always my first thought. When somebody stops and looks, my first thought is, they, do they go to first, second, or third service? Or, <laughs> or are they Wednesday nighters? But as I looked at her, she looked fearful. She put her head down and I looked at her t-shirt and her t-shirt said, I hate me too. Exactly. I prayed for, I mean, I didn't pray. I didn't stop and pray. I prayed for her as I walked by in my heart. You may be sensing that today in your own life. God can love everybody else, but you. And maybe she's thinking God can love everybody else, but me. I've got a dark beanie on. I've got a dark t-shirt on. My eyes are dark. My makeup is dark. My heart is dark. And God says today, you're exactly the right kind of person that I want to love on today. He's absolutely amazing. So church, we pick it up and it's now second argument, verses 24 to 25. And that is the hope of heaven. The hope of heaven. He says, for we were saved, past tense, in this hope. But listen to this, but hope that is seen is not hope. You understand that? If you don't see it, that, that's what you hope for. If you see something, you don't hope for it anymore. It's parked right in front of you. It's standing right in front of you. If you're married, you don't hope for a husband. He's standing right in front of you. If you hope for a car, but you've got one, you've got one. What do you hope? You're not hoping. It's, it's already experienced. But the Bible here tells us that what you and I hope for, this is so awesome. What you and I hope for as believers is that which we do not yet fully possess, but we know we shall. We're just waiting with anticipation for that moment to be fulfilled. It's guaranteed to happen. In fact, it is so certain that God will get you into heaven and uh, make sure that your seat is well reserved with him, that his own name is riding on him, keeping that promise. It's not riding on your faithfulness. You right then and there, let me say that again. And then when I say it, we'll edit it for TV and you'll look awesome. When I say what I, I'm about to say again, say, amen. Okay. So here it comes. So what God did for you on the cross, he did because it's his own name that will guarantee it. And you can be rest assured of that very fact. His name is on the line, church. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough. None of us are good enough. But when he's enthroned in your heart, you want to be perfect. Let's be honest. The true Christian wants to be perfect. We never wake up in the morning and say, well, how much sin can I do today and still be okay? We don't even think like that. It's been removed from us. We're not perfect, but we would be if we could be. The problem is we still have our bodies that we're lugging around. And these thing, this body makes its demands. His 
remarkable and awesome hope that he gives us. So mark it down. Verse 24 is, it's all about assurance. Heaven's assurance is our hope. It's our hope for we were saved in this hope. I'm going to give you a long passage of scripture, church. Everybody pay close attention because it's past tense. Let me read this part of verse 24 and then dive into its commentary. Listen, write it down. The commentary on Romans 8, 24 is Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 12. Romans 8, 24 says, For we were saved in this hope. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed, past tense, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Listen to how God talks. Just as he chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Oh, that ought to keep you up tonight, just with joy. Before I keep reading, don't say anything. Just on the inside, do you want Jesus Christ in your life? Do you want him to have the reins or the controls of your life? Do you want him to be your Lord and Savior, the one who washes you of your sin and guilt and gives you a brand new life? The reason why you do is because just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Excuse me, what? Without blame? Do you live without blame? People don't, listen, don't people blame us? Don't we blame ourselves? God is looking at you, the believer, washed in the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that makes you blameless before the throne of God. God looks at you and sees Christ. Isn't this humbling? No, you say, Jack, that just can't be, that just can't be true. That's too good to be true. It is true, which is why you should fall on your knees and proclaim him Lord and Savior and give him all the glory and thanks and love him for the rest of your life. It is absolutely true. God did this and even did better. He kept going. He kept building on that. So he goes on to say that in verse 5, having predestined us, that's before time began, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Notice, Jesus going to the cross, dying for you, God the Father gives you to Jesus Christ as his reward, as his possession for what he did for us at the cross. You are the blessing that the father gives the son for what the son did at the cross in redemption. Man, we don't look at ourselves that way and I understand that, but it's true. We are an actual blessing to God if our lives are in Christ. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. Is that word past tense again? Absolutely. Are you guys awake? Accepted in the beloved. Verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made, past tense, to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Is this deep or what? He purposed this work within himself. I like that. He didn't hold a committee. There wasn't some heavenly council. See, how should we pull this off? How do we save these knucklehead humans? No. 
No, before man was ever created, God knew exactly what was going to happen, and he had a plan before it ever transpired. It's awesome. Talk about insurance. Insurance and assurance. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of Of his glory and all God's people said. That is deep stuff. You just got a lot of deep Bible. Right here right now. If you are a child of God. God knows you. And he has placed this assurance in your life. That you have this hope. That awaits heaven. Heaven being put in you. Doesn't sit around though. It's active. But notice that the foundation, you've been saved. I love that security. We, we, we deal in life this way. We tell our kids we love them. We tell them to encourage them and strengthen them. And uh, listen, I just want to insert this. We need to make sure we know how to love our kids rightly. We need to tell them the truth and love always and be their parent. The security of a child is how they develop the most. That's why the home, I just, when reading that communist Uh, agenda against uh, the American culture from uh, 1963. Notice, in fact, if you read the whole thing later, uh, so much of it attacks the family in marriage, family in marriage, and then to pervert children with pornography, to destroy the family. Why? Because Marxism is a religion, ladies and gentlemen. It's a demonic religion of man being God. And God being dead. I told you before, I had an 85-year-old Russian babushka grab me by the face in Moscow, Russia. Crying, kissing me all over the face. Weeping, she dropped her bags of mushrooms that she had gathered from the forest. And my translator, she's trying to translate what she's saying. And my translator starts crying. I have no idea what's going on. But shortly after the wall fell down, uh, I found myself in Red Square in Moscow, Russia, preaching the gospel on a Knudsen milk carton in front of Lenin's tomb. Hundreds of people have gathered together to hear what was going on. And this, this babushka grabs me by the face and she says through my translator, I was nine years old when the communists came into our homes and took our crosses and our Bibles away and said, God is dead. And I've been praying all these years that, my, but that the gospel would be preached in my country again. Now I'm crying. Marxism is man is God, but God is God. And thank God, because man creates religion and God opens up a door of relationship. And he wants you to know that you're saved if you've trusted Christ. This really gets me going. These people who talk about, well, you know, that guy was saved once, but he lost his salvation. You cannot find that anywhere in the Bible. That is from, that is following the teaching and the Antics of man. I call it heretical. Jesus said, you must be born again. Listen to the emphasis. He says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
He said it strongly. And he said it to Nicodemus. If anybody was going to go to heaven on being good and moral, it was Nicodemus. Not you, not me. Him. And Jesus told him, you're not going to make it, Nick. You've got to be born again. And the stress is this. You must be born again. Just his statement alone enshrines the assurance and the security of the true person who's born again. Jesus said it himself. You must be. That must be means you are going to be with Christ in heaven. Well, I knew somebody who believed and then they went back into the world. They believed. Jesus says, these are they who believe for a while. But when the cares of the world creep in and choke out the seed, they wither away. They go away. I can go scripture after scripture that if you are truly born again, you have that eternal security that Christ provides. No family is worth being in that family if you've got to live in insecurity. I would have nothing to do with that kind of a family. God's family operates in security. Listen, that goes for all of us here today, right now. Maybe you're watching by TV or maybe you're here together right now or in the overflow. Do you know that you're born again? If you know that you're born again, you know how truly desperately you need the blood of Christ. Yet at the same time, you have overwhelming confidence that if you were to die today, Christ would receive you based on his own efforts and not our own. I go to heaven on his merit, not mine. He died for me. He died for you. And you must be born again. I just love it. Those that watch my fingers lose their salvation. That's our pathetic observation, forgetting the scriptures, that they never had it in the first place. They trafficked with those that believed. They might have even done miracles. Did Judas do miracles? God sent him out with the rest of the 12, didn't he? And they all preached and they all did miracles. Isn't that that a crazy thing? Judas, who would wind up in hell forever, did miracles by the name of Jesus Christ. Miracles, they don't guarantee your presence in heaven, friend. But Jesus does and he can. If you don't have him in your life like that, you need to do that. And then look at at the second argument is that heaven's existence is our hope. (laughs) Heaven's existence is our hope. It says, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? We don't see heaven, do we? We don't see it. We see little glimmers of it. I was, again, this weekend at a hotel and they had this gigantic oil painting that to me looked like the millennium. That's how I would view the millennium, the reign of Christ. It's like this amazing. So I took a picture of it with my phone and I cropped it and put it, made it look like like a screensaver. Why? Because when I look at it, I think of heaven. Oh my goodness, that's going to be awesome. You ever think about heaven? I have to confess for many years, for, for far too many years, I don't know why, I had like, like this brain lock, this brain freeze. When I would think about heaven, I would just, everything would go white in my head. It's just white. White ceilings, white walls, white floor, white, ga- white robes, white gowns. And it was just like, and it was boring. I mean, and I'm grateful to Randy Elkhorn writing that book, Heaven, by Randy Elkhorn, the, A Theology of Heaven. And he just goes to the scripture describing what the Bible says about heaven. And then I found out by reading the scriptures more carefully and with that understanding, the God that made these trees. Isn't it interesting? The Bible talks about trees in heaven. You say, I wonder what they look like. <laughs> Apparently, they look like trees. 
The Bible says there's a river in heaven. There's water in heaven. What do you think that looks like? Probably like a river, probably like water. The Bible says when Christ reigns from Jerusalem, the lion will lay down with the lamb. What's that? What's that going to look like? It's going to look like a lion laying down with a lamb. You know, you know, we make things difficult. Little kids get it instantly. They see it. They'll color it on a piece of paper. They'll just make it happen. We're like going, how can this be? How can that happen? We get it all knotted up because we're dumb. Like this. Just... Growing up's not a good thing. We get stiff, not just in our bodies, but in our, our hearts get stiff. We need to hang out with the children's ministry more often. Psalm 42, verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. God smiles on your life. Only the believer knows that. How is it that right now in war-torn Middle East, there are the believers that sense the smile of God in the midst of all the mayhem, all the things that are going on in your world today? No matter what's happening, there's the sense that when God smiles upon your life, you can't describe it, you can't explain it, and you dare not tell anybody about it. They won't get it. But when you know the favor of God is smiling down upon your life at this moment, I tell you what, I pray right now that's exactly what's happening because as I look, it's, two, it's 10 minutes after 12 East Coast time. And um, today, the Speaker of the House is going through his upcoming agenda. And Tony Perkins is with him today. And guess what? He has, he has two decisions to make. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he has more than two. I don't really care about the other, t- other ones. I just care about these two. One of them is, he's considering coming here to do a Sunday service, the Speaker of the House. And the, and the second thing is, which I hope is the first thing, is that, well, I get to open up Congress on, in January in Washington, D.C. For, for that first run. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. So my prayer is, oh God, your favor. <laughs> right? Oh Lord, your favor. What is that? Lord, smile down upon us. Listen, God, smile down upon your family. God, smile down upon your business. May God smile down upon this nation again. May God smile down upon California. Listen, if God can smile on California, he can smile on anything. There's nothing like knowing his... You know what? Eric Little. Anybody remember him? Remember the movie Chariots of Fire? Eric Little, the Olympian. He said that when he ran, right? Everybody else is working. Abrams. Remember Abrams? He'd work, 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 work. It's amazing. Yeah, if you've never seen the movie, you've got to see the movie. Abrams is the Jew. He's working very, very hard, sweating, working. Eric Little, born again Christian, just running. And it's like, what's the deal here? One guy is knocking himself out and this guy's like going, running with the wind. And Eric Little made that famous statement that's in the Hallmark cards today. He says, when I run, I sense his pleasure. Oh, every one of us should say, when I get out of bed. Right? I sense his pleasure. What's before you today? Is it dealing with a family member or an issue of health or how to make this thing? Is it some life-changing moment or is it just packing the lunch to get the kids off to school? God, give me favor today. Smile down upon me today. 
the hope of heaven, the existence of heaven. We hope for it because that's where we're going. But the power and the reality of it is now with us. The kingdom of God dwells within us. You don't need to be cast down, oh my soul. I'll never forget that verse because, you know, we're all affected in different ways. But I'm a big fan of uh, Charles Stanley, especially now that he's dead and in heaven. Well, that's the wrong term. (laughs) Especially now that he's left us and is alive, very much alive in heaven. I remember Dr. Stanley saying that verse like this, that the Hebrew word means, why so cast down, oh my soul? He's looking inside his shirt. Hey, soul. The psalmist is preaching to himself. Why are you bummed out? You can have the favor of God. First Peter chapter one, verse three. First Peter one, three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. You hear that? That's a born again statement to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, I must be honest with you. Your hope and eternal life and forgiveness is only as sure as Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead. Now, if that's a little wobbly, then you got some problems. If that's a little wobbly, I'm leaving you right now. I'm saying goodbye and I'm going to the beach. Why? Because it would all be false. But Christ is risen from the dead. And we absolutely have this assurance because what he's done, he's faithful to perform in our lives. He's promised us resurrection. Verse 4, 1 Peter 1, 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that nice? I couldn't even get my car reservation right this weekend. Why do you reserve? Why do you try to reserve? Confirmation number, please. What do you think confirmation number means? That something's confirmed. And here's the number. Here's my confirmation number. I'm sorry. (laughs) But you gave me the number. I didn't make up the number. You emailed me the number. It's your number. (laughs) Hmm. I'm sorry. (laughs) What about reservations? You said click here to reserve a car. Thank God he doesn't run heaven like this world runs itself. Can you imagine? Hi, I'm here. What's your name? It's Jack. I've read in the book that my name should be in the book. Check again. Oh my goodness. Nope. The existence of heaven is a hope that's within us that is guaranteed and sure. Romans 15, verse 4. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There's no greater comfort, friends. Listen, I mean this with all of my heart and I'll be as sensitive as I can. When a brother or sister is on their deathbed and dying... I promise you this, it's going to come to all of us unless the rapture t- uh, takes place first. And it goes like this. When you're, when you're on your deathbed, you're going to call and uh, you're going to ask for a pastor or whatever, and they're going to come and you are not going to, I promise, no one has ever said, Pastor Jack, before you pray for me and read scripture to me, can you tell me, what, what, was, the t- what was the headlines on the New York Times today? <laughs> has anyone ever asked that? No, not once. 
Has anybody ever asked what the stock market was like that day? You know, I'm about ready to go into eternity, Pastor. How's my stocks doing? <laughs> Never, not once. I tell you what's... Listen, listen up very carefully. I tell you what is important to the dying is the reconciliation of family members. Hands down, over and over again. I wish my brother was here. I wish my kids were here. I wish I could call my ex-wife one more time and say, I was sorry, I was wrong. Then you read them scripture. They don't want anything else but scripture. And no wonder when you're given scripture, the Bible says, precious in my sight, saith the Lord, is the death of my saints. Wow. Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope. What a statement. Rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Isn't that amazing? Rejoice in hope. How do you rejoice in hope? Because the hope that we have in him is an assured, guaranteed existence of hope. None of us should say, please don't ever think this. If you think this way right now, I mean it. If you think this way right now, you got to fix your theology really quick. And that is this. I hope I go to heaven. I don't want to hear that. You better know it. You should say, you know what? I know I'm going to heaven. Watch, this is how it goes. I know I'm going to heaven. There's a seat reserved for me because Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. He, he took away my sins and gave me his righteousness. He loved me into the kingdom of God. It's all of Jesus. If you, if, if you say, yeah, if you say, well, I hope I go to heaven because I mean, I've been pretty good. Oh my goodness. First Peter chapter one, verse 13. Therefore, Gird up the loins of your mind. I love that. Just get a belt on and pull your head together, will you? Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. That's the coming of Christ for the church. Isn't that amazing? When he comes, he's going to bring grace. So get your mind locked on. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. As in your ignorance, you're no longer ignorant. You know him. (laughs) You know him. Always, always, friends, it's good to learn. It's good to know. But the most important thing of all is who you know. That's how you got that job, even though that other guy was smarter than you. Your dad owns the company. The third uh, argument under this point is heaven's expectation is our hope. Verse 25. Heaven's expectation. That's our hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. What does this mean? It means that we have the expectation of everything that you and I do. Watch everybody from this moment on. You're going to leave today. When you go out there today, the born-again believer, the true child of God, is going to move, live, breathe, act, speak in such a way that there's an expectancy of heaven and that because that is so true and it governs our life, we are actually walking out perseverance. Sometimes we think that perseverance is just, is just um, hanging on to something long enough or, or lifting up the weights over our head and, and until the bell rings no, listen, this perseverance is consistency. Is just getting up 
and going with God again and again. Every day, Christian, every day is the eager expectation, the waiting of his coming. Every day you get up. Did you have a bad day yesterday? Leave it alone. Get up today. What about next Tuesday? I don't know. Don't want to know. I just rest in he who does know. I leave it to him. I'm going to get up. You know the old saying, way back when, I don't know who used to sing this. Somebody who's now really old. Uh, Do your best, commit the rest. Wait, how's it go? Anybody remember? Do your best and commit the rest. Nah, it's a Keith Green song. It's a Keith Green song. Do your best. Let me see. No, I'm kidding. I'm trying. Pray that it's blessed and he'll take care of the rest, you know? And that's, I just butchered it, but you get the drift. It's pretty cute, but it's true. Give it to God, pour your heart into him, go live your life, do that every day. And eventually you are going to bump into Jesus. The expectation of heaven, that word eagerly wait, Look at this. It means to be waiting with full confidence. Isn't that great? It's the exact opposite of what I had at the car rental place. (laughs) To be without doubt. Anticipation or anticipating the moment. You think of a wedding. What are some of the things of life that you just, you're so excited and you're anticipating it? Wedding. Retirement, maybe, I guess. if you have a good retirement, I guess, I don't know. Birth of a baby, that's a good one. It gets you excited. You start thinking differently. You know, it's amazing with what this verse means. So yesterday, Lisa and I, we got a text from, it was just somebody. We didn't recognize, the, phone, the text came and it was a phone number. We didn't. It was just a phone number. No name. You ever get those? And it says, guess what? And there's this baby. You know the thing in its, in its blue? The, the pregnancy test thing? And they had two little baby shoes there. And it was really difficult because we're looking and we go, oh my gosh, we're supposed to be excited about this. We don't even know who this is. And then if I ask, excuse me, but who are you? That's going to sound kind of rude. So we kind of debated, like, what are we going to do? And I just said, yeah, tell them the truth. Here's the deal. Hello out there. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> the phone is not displaying who this is from. And so they text back, and I'm not going to say who they are, but we know them, obviously. And only then could we rejoice. So we got on the video, and we, hey, we're in the airport looking like idiots. Woo! Congratulations! We didn't care about anybody else around because the news was given to us that a baby will be coming into this world, Lord willing, right? In nine months. And mom and dad, they got all that expectation going now, right? So that's a beautiful thing. That's an awesome thing. And we we should be excited with expectation. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 22, verse seven. Behold, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words and the prophecies of this book. Perseverance, being patient. I'm going to run through these scriptures and then we'll end here. 
Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Friends, some of you need this right now. Psalm 121 verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Don't you think if you believe he made heaven and earth, he can take care of your situation? Psalm 34 5. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. That's beautiful. What a great verse to put in a kid's room. Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high. It's an awesome statement. Lift up your head. It goes like this. Isaiah is saying, lift up your head. And you go, lift up your head. Have you ever seen somebody going to take your picture and they get the camera and they'll go like this. Lift up higher, higher, higher. That's the same meaning of the word. Lift up your head. Lift up, lift it up. Isaiah, God is telling, speaking through Isaiah, lift up your head. No, higher. Higher. Isn't this just like God? You're like, okay. <laughs> yes. Now smile. <laughs> lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number. He's talking about the stars. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. First hmm. John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. All of you who are feeling like you're the oddball out, thank God for that. I don't understand this world. Thank God. If you feel at home here, something's wrong. You should not feel at home. You're not home. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be like. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That's at his revelation. Come and pick us up. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Christ is pure, just as he is pure. Getting excited about God, about heaven, about Christ coming back, about you meeting him. And again, and we'll land here. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, And the spirit, listen to this, friends who don't know the Bible, I'm going to give you the Bible right now. If you've never opened up the Bible, if you're viewing us right now from some other country in the world, this is the God of the Bible speaking to you. And the spirit and the bride, that's the church, say, come. That's the word that the church should be announcing to the world. Come. Come, everybody. We're going. Come with us. Come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Why does God say that? Don't mess with my good word. Don't mess with my promise to mankind. Satan wants to rob you, kill you, and destroy you. God says, don't mess with my word. Verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of this book, Of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. From the holy city and from the things which are written in this book, 
He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Father, we pray right now. We pray right now, Lord God, that while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, please, nobody moving around. You're just be, I, I don't want you stepping on anybody's toes. I don't want you interrupting somebody's decision right now. So serious, my friend, have you ever heard God say to you, come? Come to me, Jesus said. Come and follow me. Come to me. He said, I'll never turn you away if you come to me. Come to me. And he said, I'll wash you clean. Right now, I'm going to ask you, heads bowed, eyes closed. Christians be praying, please. If today, as we sing this song, I'm not going to stress you out. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to play games. If God is speaking to your heart and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a public manner, how about that? So this goes for all of you who would today accept Christ. This goes for all of you who accepted Christ, but nobody knows it. And you want to go public. As we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to get up and come forward and stand right up front here. And I'm going to lead all of you or any of you or whoever in a prayer. But you would be getting up by saying publicly, Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. And I want the world to know I've accepted him.